In keeping with uh, Brother Wayne's message this morning, our scripture reading will be taken from the book of 1 John, 5th chapter, verses 1 through 5. If you want to follow along on the Pew Bibles, that will be found on page 1084. Again, I'll be reading 1 John, 5th chapter, verses 1 through 5. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who believes him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Good morning. What a great joy it is to be together, isn't it? And for our guests, we're honored that you're here. What a blessing it is to be able to come together and to praise God, to lift up, lift up our voices together in song and to be able to encourage one another as his people. I'm grateful for the opportunity. If you want to uh, keep your Bibles there at 1 John chapter 5, we'll be noticing that in just a moment. But would you please allow me just a moment to express my appreciation to the elders, to the staff for being able to join this ministry team. Uh, we have been looking forward to it. Uh, it's a transition for us. I've been in the pulpit for 35 years, but now we're making the transition into an outreach ministry, and we're looking forward to that. To the elders, to the staff, and especially to our secretaries, I'm telling you, they have been wonderful in helping me get acclimated, and uh, it's been extra work for them, and I'm grateful for their willingness to, to be so patient and so kind and helpful and understanding. And we want you to know, there any way that Debbie and I can be of help or a source of encouragement, then we're here to do that. We just want to be a part of the, of the team here, a part of your life and you to be a part of our lives and that we can continue to do what God would have us to do for his honor, to his glory and may he receive the praise for it all. Last week someone says, what are you really going to be doing? I said, I guess kind of what Mount Juliet has been doing and what I've been doing all of my ministry life. And they said, what is that? And I said, all I know is we try to do two things. We try to bring outsiders in and we try to build insiders up. Isn't that what it is to be a child of God? We try to bring those who do not know Jesus, who do not have a saving relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we try to bring them in and introduce them to the Savior of the world. And then, when we're on the inside, we try to build each other up to be the people that God would have us to be and to encourage one another to walk the steps of the Savior until one day heaven can be our home. So that's what we want to do. Help each other go to heaven. Help each other be the best servant we can do and impact this community for the very cause of Jesus Christ. So any way we can be of help, we appreciate that. Thank you for your patience. Debbie and I are working real hard to try to memorize and remember names. But you know what? You've kind of got us a disadvantage. It's about 1150 to two. You've got to remember two. 
So we're working hard. So thank you for your patience. If I ask you 20 or 30 times, just act like I haven't asked you at all, okay? Because I do want to do that and we want to help each other and encourage one another through that process. So thank you for already your invitations into your, uh, to some social groups and activities and fellowship. We're just looking forward to getting to know you and to be a part of each other's lives. So we're grateful for this opportunity and we just pray that God will bless it for his good. I'm sure this morning that many of you are familiar with an announcement that was made this past week concerning LeBron James. It was just announced this past few weeks, or a few days rather, that he had signed a lifelong contract of $500 million with Nike. Now, I don't know if you heard that earlier or maybe you just heard it this morning for the first time, but whenever you heard that news, my guess is you're going, really? $500 million to promote a company and to wear some tennis shoes and they're paying them that kind of money. I mean, you're just absolutely shocked that, that a company would do that. Well, I just want you to know this morning that uh, before it goes nationwide, that I'm actually in contract talks with Marty and Liz. And then I'm hoping that it will move to Johnston and Murphy if it gets a little bit better. But right now, where we are in our contract talks with Marty and Liz is they have told me, if you're willing to pay, then you can wear any shoe that you choose. That's the same contract you have, right? But you know, in all seriousness, Nike obviously has done a tremendous successful job in marketing themselves in the, in the sporting world and in clothing apparel. In fact, most everyone in this auditorium this morning would be familiar with that little swoosh that's kind of catching to the eye. Well, whether you may realize it or not, the truth is the word Nike or Nike is actually found in the Bible and it's one of the Greek words for victory. In fact, in 1 John chapter 5, in verse number 4 that was read for us a few moments ago, the word there for victory is the fact that it means Overcomer, that we can have victory in Jesus Christ. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, Nike, Nike. Here's the victory that we enjoy and what the apostle John seems to be doing with this message is, I want my readers to know that you can wear the proper apparel as Christians and you can enjoy victory. In other words, we're talking about all of this month, we're talking about victory in Jesus. And we celebrate that victory. We're brethren to be able to celebrate victory in Jesus, then understand something this morning. We must be on God's team. And when you're on God's team, then you're on the winning team, right? And when you're on the winning team with God, you've got to understand something. You must be born of God. In fact, 1 John 5 and verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is a Christ is born of God. Six times in the book of 1 John, six different times the apostle John makes a connection. And if you will, he kind of hooks up two ideas. One ideal is a sense of victory. The fact that you can overcome. And every time that foundational concept is mentioned, he connects it with being born of God. So therefore, as children of God this morning, and when we're connected with God, then we can be winners. That's why Jesus went to the cross. So that we can be overcomers. So we can win and we can have victory in Jesus. 
And I really hope that after we study the lesson this morning, the next time you see that swoosh from Nike, and you're going to see it a lot in the next couple of weeks, obviously. You know, you're going to be shopping and there are going to be advertisements. What I want you to do, it's not focused on the tennis shoe or the clothing of apparel. I want you to do this. I want you to remember and I want you to be able to recall. You know what? That reminds me, that little emblem reminds me of victory that I have as a child of God. That, that little emblem reminds me of the fact that I am an overcomer and that God is going to bless me. So this morning for 1 John 5, let's notice three items of apparel for the children of God in order that we can enjoy victory. First of all, when I read 1 John 5 verses 1, I read these. Whoever believes that Jesus is a Christ is born of God. And you're begotten of him. I believe our apparel this morning begins with the shoes of faith. In other words, if you're going to have victory in Jesus, then brethren, it's important about what we believe. You've got to have faith. In fact, John says, whoever believes. Whoever believes. Now, when I was a, a child and younger, I, you know, I, I really believe if you get some of those kids tennis shoes. Some of you remember those. See, Nike wasn't there. If it had been, we wouldn't have been shopping where they sold them anyway. But I got those little kids' shoes. And I'm going to tell you something. When I got a new pair of shoes, I thought I could run faster and jump higher. I mean, watch out, Olympic team, here I was coming. Because, man, it's just amazing what they did for your speed and how high you could jump. Well, let me tell you one thing I've learned as an adult, as a child of God. The only way that I can successfully run the Christian race, enjoy victory in this life here and in the life hereafter is to wear the shoes of faith. And John is crystal clear. As we would say, he makes no bones about it, brethren. He says that we live in a world that may deny the standards and absolutes by which we are to live, but John says you need to understand something. It's important what you believe. If you're going to have victory in Jesus, then it's important what you believe. It's important to have a faith that is what God would have us to enjoy and to have. Because remember something, John is writing to a group of people to combat false beliefs. See, he's writing to a group of people where some of those would deny the deity of Christ. Oh, they would say, yeah, I would accept the fact that he's, he's human. Then others were denying the very fact of the humanity of Christ. And I want you to notice what John does. He did not say, now, brethren, you just believe whatever you want to believe. Whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you feel right and comfortable, you just accept that and that's okay. Brethren, that's not what he did. John the apostle, quite the contrary, eight times identified Jesus as the Christ. And no less than 21 times. The book of John has five short chapters, has a total of 105 verses. And no less than 21 times, John refers to Jesus as God's son. That's an average of once every five verses. Jesus, it's important, brethren, it's important what we believe. And if you're going to have victory in Jesus, then I must say to you this morning, you need to lace up the shoes of faith and accept the fact that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Now, once you accept that, 
then I would suggest to you then that needs to be demonstrated in life. What do you do with that faith? Well, you flesh it out. You live it out. In verse two, he says, you put on the shirt of love. The shirt of love, look at it. By this we know that we love, verse two, children of God. When we love God and we keep his commandments. Now, I know fashion really matters to lots of people. For some individuals, it's important to have the right label and to shop and to purchase items at a certain store or wear a certain brand. And to others, I mean, their favorite place to shop is where they can find the deepest discounts and the biggest bargains. A couple of Christmases ago, I kept opening gifts. A lot more gifts than normal. You know, some of the same stuff, shirts, ties, vests, you know, same stuff, just more of them. And I thought to myself, man, I must have really been a good boy this year. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm getting a lot more than normal. So I mentioned that as I kept opening gifts and I said to our, our children, man, I really appreciate this. I'm thankful, but you know, you really didn't spend this much money. And quickly, one of our sons said, dad, we didn't spend any more money than we normally do. I said, really? He said, no, we just found some really good deals this year at GWI. I said, GWI? And I was looking at a little puzzle and he immediately said, you probably recognize it as Goodwill Industries. <laughs> he said, it's amazing what kind of deals you can find there. And you know, I'm glad because I got a lot more shirts and ties and vests. It was funny, about a year ago, I was sitting in my office in Knoxville and I had one of the brothers in Christ to call me and he said, hey, Wayne. I said, yeah, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm working, what are you doing? He said, I'm down here in Georgia. He said, what size suit you wear? And I told him, he said, okay. And I thought, well, that's strange. Well, the following Sunday, he comes walking to my office 30, 40 minutes before church, he hands me a suit. And he said, here. Hope you enjoy it. I said, well, man, thank you. I appreciate it. He said, 12 bucks at Goodwill. <laughs> and this is that suit. <laughs> Honestly, it really is. This is that suit. And it says, Joseph A. Banks, $12. Let me tell you something, brethren, as children of God. The proper label is not where you shop. It's not what kind of brains you wear. Please understand something this morning. The proper, correct label of God is love. Love for God and love for one another. That's the correct label that we are to wear as children of God. In fact, a great man of God once told his people, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. And then in the New Testament, our Lord and Savior, Mark chapter 12, there was a scribe came up to Jesus one day, and he said, why don't you tell me about the greatest commandment of them all? And without a bat of an eye, Jesus Christ quickly replied, love the Lord your God with your entire being. And he said, and let me tell you something else. And the second one is like unto it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
the correct label, if we're going to be people of God, enjoy victory in Jesus, then brethren, it's about loving God and loving one another. In fact, how we love one another speaks of two distinctive, defining moments in the Word of God. In fact, there's two of those that I read. In John 13, we're very familiar with it. Jesus says that we are to have this love one for the other. But he says it in a very unique way because it's a very familiar passage. Jesus said a new commandment. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me Jesus never wanted people to love one? Oh, no. It's not new in the sense that we're not to love one another. It's new in degree. It's new in depth. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Well, what's the big deal? By this, all men everywhere will know you're my disciples. Jesus said, here's a defining distinction of children of God. Here's a defining distinction for those who are enjoying victory in Jesus. What is it? They have this unique love one for the other. But now in 1 John chapter 4, just right before our text, you know, originally chapters and verses weren't there. So when you begin in 1 John chapter 5 about whoever believes that Jesus, go back one or two verses. And the second defining distinction is it gauges our love another really gauges our love for God. Look at it. 1 John 4. This commandment, verse 21, we have from God, that he who loves God must love his brother also. But now if you go back up to verse 20, he'd already given the illustration and he said, John had, wait a minute, there's, a, there's something you need to remember. If you don't love your brother whom you have seen, question, how are you going to love God whom you have not seen? How are you going to accomplish that task? See, here's a defining distinction with people who have victory in Jesus. And that victory that we enjoy is we love God and we have a love one for the other. Brethren, the items of apparel for children of God, the shoes of faith and the shirt of love, let me tell you what, you know where you can get them? There's only one place to get them and that's from the heart of God. That's it. You won't get this attitude and this spirit from the world. You won't get it in the world. You won't get it from the world. Why? Because it is different. It's a lifestyle. It's a spirit. It's an attitude that is totally different from the world in which you and I live. The proper apparel for children of God can only be gotten from the very heart of God. As we seek him first, as we strive to become more like him, then that's when we can be the people he wants us to be. Victory. In Jesus. Where do you get it? Oh, we get it from the heart of God. Nowhere else. You're not going to find it on Christmas special in the next day or two or the next week. It only comes from the heart of God. Shoes of faith. A heart of love, 1 John 5, 2. But when I read verse 3, 1 John 5, I see that we need to put on a cap of obedience. For this is the love of God. We keep his commandments. And his commandments, ah, oh, they're not grievous. They're not burdensome. But when I read verses one through three, 
What I find is this, joyful obedience is born out of love for God. Now, you know, the truth is we all desire obedience. We, we enjoy it, we expect it, we really like it when our children and our grandchildren are obedient, do we not? In fact, you know, they do some. We have a 15-month-old grandson, and you know what he does? When he does something, I mean, it's just very simple. You know what we're all doing? Yay, good boy, that's right, good job. Why? You did good. You did what you were supposed to. You obeyed. We told you no, and he looked at you and go, no, 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 no. Good boy. You know, we even desire obedience to the point people can send their animals, their dogs to obedience school. Our son used to do that. Train other people's dogs so they become obedient. If we desire obedience and we like obedience and we expect obedience, then don't be shocked and don't be surprised that our Heavenly Father also expects and desires and is pleased with obedience. And I find that when I read the, the book of 1 John, it just has an emphasis. I mean, it really does have an emphasis on obedience to God. Now, we don't have time to develop this, but I just want you to see it in the book of 1 John, in these 105 verses. I want you to notice about obedience. First of all, in 1 John chapter 2, obedience perfects God's love. 1 John 2, 3 through 5. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22 through 24. What you'll find there is obedience pleases God. And what you'll find right here in our text, 1 John 5 and verse 3, obedience proves our love for God. So therefore, just think about that for a moment. When you understand the fact that here is a truth, obedience is expected for God. It pleases God. He desires that from your heart and from your life. And the book of 1 John just emphasizes it over and over and over again of the importance of obeying. I appreciate John a few moments ago in our prayer at the Lord's Supper. When John said, Lord, help us to be humble that we can obey. That's what John is saying. Help us to obey, Lord. Help us to be the people that you want us to be. How do you do that? You gotta keep humility in your life and in your heart that you can render obedience. Why? Because it perfects God's love, it pleases God, and it proves our love for him. When I look into the word of God, brethren, verse three of 1 John 5 says, his commandments are not burdensome. Our love for God will never cause us to look upon the precious word divine as something that is burdensome or grievous. We will look at this book and we know that God Almighty has instructed us and given us guidelines that will bless our life here and will bless our lives throughout eternity. That God has given us what is very best and what we need to be able to have the hopes of eternal life in heaven. Therefore, these, this book and these instructions are not burdensome. They're not grievous. In fact, when I go back and look at the book of Psalms 119, you recognize probably Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in all of the word of God. It has 176 verses. All but two of those verses in other words, 174 of the 176 verses in Psalms 119 
every one of them, the theme is the Word of God. The theme is the Word of God. And every one of those verses, with the exception of two, mentions the Word of God in some way. But what I want you to do very quickly this morning, I want you to just notice the attitude and the heart of the psalmist. I want you to see his love for God and for his law and for his precious word. Notice it with me, if you will, in Psalms 119, first of all, in verse number 97. Look at the attitude and just kind of, as we read these verses together, I want you to look at your own heart and your own life and say, what's my spirit toward the word of God? What's my attitude toward the precious word divine? First of all, verse 97. The psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. Notice it. It is my meditation all the day. Do you see a spirit of love for the word of God? Oh, but then listen again to verse number 16. In verse 16 again, we see an attitude and we see a love when he says, I will delight myself in your law or in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And then again, in verse number 24, the psalmist is revealing his attitude when he says, your testimonies are also of my delight and they are my counselors. What we just said a few moments ago, the word of God counsels us to those things we're the best in our life and in our heart. They're not grievous. They're not burdensome. They're delightful. They bless us. They counsel us through life. And then in verse 103, again, the psalmist saying something about his love for the law of God when he says it this way, how sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I don't know about you. I happen to be one of those individuals. I really enjoy eating honey. I love honey on a nice, hot, warm biscuit. That's pretty good stuff right there. The psalmist says, here's my attitude toward the word of God. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Boy, isn't that a great spirit toward the word of God? Isn't that a wonderful attitude toward the precious word divine? And then Psalm 162, the verse there. Again, the psalmist just showing us, I rejoice. Have you noticed? Rejoice, happiness, contentment, victory. When he says, I rejoice at your word. As one who finds a great treasure, May I just suggest and recommend, brethren, our attitude would be better. When we look upon this word of God as a roadmap to heaven, but when we recognize this book is a treasure, as a true treasure for my heart and for my life and for eternity. That was the attitude of the psalmist when he said, it's a treasure. True love produces joyful obedience. Now, what will be the result of wearing these items of apparel? Well, first of all, we begin in 1 John chapter 5, we believe. It's important that we believe that Jesus is a Christ, the Son of God. That's how you're born of God. Belief plus love plus obedience equals victory. 
How do I know so? Because the Bible teaches me so. First John 5, verse 4 and 5. For whoever and whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is a victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, verse five says, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of the living God. Victory, celebrate it because you're a child of God. And I want you to notice, we overcome the world not by just possessing a faith, but we need to be possessed by a faith. There's a difference. Even the devils could believe and tremble. <laughs> we just don't want to possess a faith, brethren. Yes, it is important that we believe that Jesus is a Christ, that he is the son of God. Yes, it's vital, but understand something. We want it to go much deeper into our hearts and much deeper into our life, and we don't want to just possess a faith. We want a faith to possess us. And therefore, when a faith possesses us, then the good news is this. It affects every area of our life and everything that we do and the way that we live. We want a faith to possess us, not just us possess a faith. So Christian, overcomer, just do it. Just do it. Why? Believe, faith, obedience equals victory. I am told that in the army of Alexander the Great, there was a soldier that was not acting with bravery in battle. When he should have been pressing ahead, he was lingering behind. The great general approached the soldier and he asked, soldier, what is your name? And the soldier replied, my name, sir, is Alexander. The general looked him straight in the eye and he firmly said, soldier, you get in there, press ahead and fight or change your name. Christian, overcomer, there is victory in Jesus. And our very name, the name Christian, Christian, the very name assures us of victory. Why? Because Jesus has been victorious, therefore we will be victorious. Question, do you have victory in Jesus this morning? See, it's one thing for us to talk about it. It's one thing for us to look at what John says about it. It's another thing to embrace it and have it a part of our lives. Are you one of those individuals this morning that like what we saw on Wednesday night, you need to wash away all your sins in the water grave of baptism. Maybe you need to be born of the water and the spirit, raised to walk in the newness of life. Or maybe you look at this previous 50 weeks or so of this year and you realize, you know what? I need a commitment that needs to be renewed. I need a faith to be refocused on what God would have it to be in my commitment. If you need to render obedience in any way, our prayer for you is this. Just do it. As together we stand and we sing.